This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by BHP. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions in the production of iron ore and copper is critical. That's why BHP has committed to solar, wind and battery agreements at mine sites across Australia. It's happening now at BHP. Visit bhp.com critical to find out more. Two and a half years of COVID has made us pretty virus literate, so ears have pricked up with two viruses going around that are of concern, monkeypox and foot and mouth disease. In this shortcut, we'll cover off monkeypox, the global health emergency declaration by the World Health Organization and what that means for Australia. And with the animal virus known as foot and mouth disease, we'll talk about the threat to our farming industry and economy and the steps that are being taken to keep it from our shores. Squish Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. Who are you? I don't know that I've spoken to you for a while. Yeah, I'm back. (laughs) I am back. Back to talk about another virus. What a thrill. (laughs) Well, and I'm Claire Kimball anyway. (laughs) I have been on maternity leave, but well and truly back working now. Let's get into the shortcut. Before we get into the current outbreak of monkeypox, let's talk a little bit about the virus itself, Claire. It's a member of the same family of viruses as smallpox. It's much less severe than smallpox. Both smallpox and monkeypox are from the genus Orthopoxvirus. Uh, in total, there are 12 types, including camelpox, cowpox, horsepox. Chickenpox? Yeah, actually not chickenpox. Uh, that's different, uh, and I'm not going to get into that. That's a whole rabbit hole we don't need to go down. Gotcha. Oh, or chicken coop, perhaps. Um, <laughs> orthopox virus can be transmitted by respiratory droplets, contact, and zoonosis, which just means that it can be passed from animal to human. And before we talk about the specifics of monkeypox, we ought to pause for a moment. I mentioned the word smallpox Horrendous disease. Yeah, thanks to the success of vaccination, smallpox was eradicated and no cases of naturally occurring smallpox have happened since 1977. Uh, Before that, about three out of every 10 people with that disease died. It also left many people blind. Into modern science, though, and as you say, a vaccine was developed, which was a huge feat. It was the first to be developed against a contagious disease. So that's the context of one kind of orthopox virus. Now we've got this other one, monkeypox. The World Health Organization says monkeypox has emerged as the most important orthopox virus for public health. Let's talk about its features. Most cases of the virus are mild, sometimes resembling chickenpox, and they usually clear up on their own within a few weeks. But it can be severe. Transmission of the disease usually requires direct skin-to-skin or prolonged face-to-face contact with an infected person. Uh, And initial symptoms include fever and then a rash, usually beginning on the face and then spreading to the palms of the hands and the soles of the feet. Uh, It's said to be extremely itchy and painful. And then delightfully it forms a scab, which later falls off. Uh, And those lesions can cause scarring. 
Yeah, there's two main strains of the virus, the West African and Central African. The West African strain has a 1% fatality rate. That's similar to COVID-19. The Central African strain has about a 10% fatality rate. So you can see why health officials are concerned. If there's something to be thankful for, it's the milder one from West Africa that's circulating in other regions of the world at the moment. Let's get on to how it's spread outside of that region now. The World Health Organization has declared the monkeypox outbreak a global health emergency. More than 16,000 cases have now been reported from 75 countries. Keep in mind, in the countries where it's been considered endemic for many years, there have been 1,200 cases reported. Claire, the classification, though, is the highest alert that the WHO can issue. There are only two other health emergencies like it at present, the coronavirus pandemic, of course, uh, and the continuing efforts to eradicate polio. The committee that makes these decisions wasn't united on the declaration, but WHO boss Dr Tedros Adnom Gabriasis said the outbreak has spread around the world rapidly and too little is understood about exactly how it is spread. So there is a bit of nuance about the declaration, as there nearly always is with these things. What the WHO says is the risk of monkeypox is moderate globally, except in the European region where the risk is high. Claire, that might be the case, but there are a couple of reasons to apply a global warning. Yeah, there are. First is that it will speed up the development of vaccines. We saw that to the max with COVID. Nothing quite like that had happened before, and it's unlikely that a specific monkeypox vaccination will be developed that quickly, but it will be significantly bumped up. Uh, And the second reason is that there'll be support for measures to limit the spread of the virus. And you'll remember the WHO can't force nations to do anything. We know that well, but Dr Tedros says the declaration will spur countries to take action to stop transmission of the virus and protect those most at risk. And one way to do that is that they can offer a vaccine that's designed to protect against smallpox. It's called Invenex. Uh, The vaccine is effective against monkeypox because, as we talked about, it's from the same family of viruses. Of course, they'd still love a vaccine specifically for monkeypox. As for which group is most at risk, Claire, the World Health Organization has called out gay men. Yeah, of the cases reported so far, officials say that 98% have been gay or bisexual men, and in 95% of those cases, the infection occurred through sexual activity. How it spread is some of these men have had multiple sexual partners. So what Dr Tedros has said is that, and this is the quote, that means that this is an outbreak that can be stopped with the right strategies. Of course, they aren't the only group at risk from monkeypox, but those are the numbers. Here in Australia, 44 cases have been reported across all states and territories, with the exception of WA and Tassie. What our federal government has said is that it's working with the states and territories on a coordinated response. We've heard this before. Heard that before. And yeah, of Australia's recent cases of monkeypox, what they say is most were contracted overseas. It's less transmissible than COVID. So authorities confident that monkeypox can be controlled through isolation measures. And also through making health professionals aware of the symptoms, communicating with people most at risk to make sure they seek medical advice if it's needed. That smallpox vaccine and antiviral medication is also available here. That's your shortcut to monkeypox. It's one to keep an eye on. Let's move on to another virus that's in the news, foot and mouth disease. 
Claire, we're working with BHP again on Weekly Wrap this week because they're keen to share with Squizzers how the resources they mine are key for our economy's shift to renewable energy. Yeah, so we often hear about the push towards renewable energy, but what doesn't get as much attention is the role that mining companies are playing in making that transition possible. Take steel, for instance. It's a key material used in the construction of renewable energy infrastructure, as well as bridges and transportation, hospitals and schools, and a big part of it comes from iron ore. That iron ore mainly hails from Western Australia, and BHP says the importance of responsibly produced Western Australian iron ore is clear. Yeah, and by that, they mean reducing the greenhouse gas emissions associated with iron ore production. That's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power their port facilities at Port Hedland. It's happening now at BHP. And if you want to learn more, visit bhp.com forward slash critical. You'll find that link in your episode notes. Foot and mouth disease, or FMD, is an infectious and sometimes fatal viral disease that affects cloven-hooved animals. We're talking about cows, sheep, pigs and goats. Before we get into it, just a shout out that it's different to hand, foot and mouth disease, which is that awful virus that humans and particularly kids can catch. Anyone with kids in daycare will be familiar with this one. Yeah, they're both yuck uh, and they involve a period of high temperatures that's followed by blisters. Uh, For animals with foot and mouth disease, that's in their mouths and on their feet. If it was to develop, it would cause weight loss for dairy cows their milk can dry up and it can also affect breeding cycles. And species other than pigs can be asymptomatic and they can still carry and spread the virus. You chose your words very carefully there saying if the disease was to develop. Yeah, they're carefully chosen words because a single reported case would force the culling of thousands of animals. FMD, as it's known, most commonly spreads during the movement of animals, uh, for example, between farms or from farms to sale yards and to processing facilities. Uh, So all of that would be shut down. The big problem with FMD is that it's highly infectious and it can be spread pretty easily. A single reported case would force the culling of thousands of animals. Let that sink in. If an outbreak was to happen here, it's not as simple, though, as culling animals. It also means large areas are shut down because the virus can also linger on objects. Yeah, farming equipment, vehicles, clothing, feed. Uh, So if there was an outbreak here, infected properties would be quarantined within at least a three kilometre radius. There's also care that needs to be taken to burn or bury the animal carcasses. So there's the logistics as well, but it would also be devastating to farmers in so many other ways. Yeah, on the economics, the agricultural research experts, ABES, says that it would cost Australia $80 billion over 10 years, but it's not just about that. Uh, Breeding lines can be wiped out and there would be a significant mental health toll on our farmers. Um, The destruction of your animals would just be a really heartbreaking thing to have to do. Of course, at the moment, it's just to the north of us in Indonesia. There's a lot of concern there about the outbreak. It resurfaced in Indonesia in May after being free of it for over 30 years and its continued spread within Indonesia includes Bali and that's important to Australia because it's a popular destination for our tourists. Bali? No, surely not. Haven't heard that. There's no Aussies in Bali. The issue isn't so much that we're worried about travellers contracting FMD, though, Claire. Human infections are very rare. It's that they might bring the virus back with them on their clothes and their shoes or if they bring meat or dairy products back into Australia. 
Yeah, and that's why there's a focus at our international airports to make sure travellers aren't coming back with grotty clothing, footwear, equipment, um, particularly if they've been to rural areas and markets or zoos or really anywhere near those cloven-hooved animals. Officials aren't just worried if you've been there in the last few days. They want you to declare if you've been in rural areas or in contact with farm animals in the previous 30 days while overseas. Claire, our board officials are always managing risks like foot and mouth disease, but it's the fact there's an outbreak just to our north, as I mentioned, that has people worried. Yeah, that's right. Australia has only had minor outbreaks of FMD in the 1800s. Those were contained mainly because animals didn't move around about as much. There was a major outbreak in the UK in 2001 and stories from that time are just horrible, the impact that it had on farming communities. There have also been outbreaks in the Middle East, Africa, Asia and South America and we've managed all of that risk. So it really is the Bali connection that's seen it escalate as an issue here in recent weeks. Officials say the biggest risk of FMD entering the country is via imported animal products, but there's still a focus on returning travellers. Yeah, and what the National Farmers Federation would really like travellers to do is to ditch their footwear altogether before returning to Australia. Uh, But there are a host of new biosecurity and surveillance measures that have been announced. That includes citric foot mats that will now greet travellers at airports. Yeah, every traveller returning from Indonesia will be compelled to use those foot mats. If they can't, there will be other measures. Some in the coalition say that's not enough. Yeah, including coalition leader Peter Dutton. He's urged the government to consider closing the border to Indonesia, but neither the farming industry nor the government believe that that's necessary at this stage. Uh, Government officials say that the risk of FMD entering the country is less than 12%, so that's something. That is something, but 12% is still pretty high. Some farmers are preparing genetic banks to repopulate their farms using IVF if needed. Yeah, that's all about protecting the bloodlines that they and sometimes their parents and grandparents have been breeding on their farms. So it's a bit of insurance in case they have to destroy whole herds. Cross everything in the hope that that does not happen and declare everything if you're a traveller. That's your shortcut to foot and mouth disease. On to our recommendations. Each week we give you a recommendation for some further reading, listening or watching. I've got a piece from The New Yorker about one of the early cases of monkeypox in the city. Let's just say that getting diagnosed and treated was difficult and this really is a tribute to the persistence of a patient. Quite the story. Yes, sometimes patients have to be a bit pushy to get some answers. Mm. Uh, I've got one on FMD. It's an account of an Aussie who works in the cattle industry and she was in the UK during that outbreak in 2001. Uh, There's some great factual information about where things are at and also what it would mean if it was to spread to Australia. Yeah, we'll pop a link to all of those in your episode notes as always. Great to be back on Squeeze Shortcuts. Thanks for listening in. If you have a request for a shortcut, send it through to hello at thesqueeze.com.au. Looking forward to next week. We'll chat to you then.